Hey, warriors, welcome to the Untamed Life podcast, where we are breaking free from those chains of the past and rising to lead extraordinary lives. I believe it's time for us to ditch the rules of this world that are keeping us enslaved in the grind, playing from behind, and instead opt into a conscious and strategic upgrade, one that is founded in spiritual principles that can only be accessed through the power of the heart. So if you are craving deeper, more meaningful relationships, vibrant bodies full of life force, true prosperity in all arenas, and a life of adventure, this podcast is for you. My name is Christine Jewell. I'm a high-performance coach and spiritual mentor, and together we will awaken the king or queen you are destined to be so that you can experience the fullness of life that's waiting for you. Let's dive in. All right, welcome back to The Untamed Life. It's Christine Jewell. And today I want to talk about a couple of things. First of all, I want to dive into the conversation around alignment, values, and getting our needs met. Like when you really operate in the place that is fulfilling, right? You feel full, you feel fulfilled. I talk a lot about being in this place of overflow and this place when things just seem to be going well, working with us instead of against us. And even recently, as I've been working with a few different people, you know, this conversation comes up where like, I feel so heavy and like, there is this just chronic anxiety inside of me, this restlessness, this inner turmoil that I can't seem to shake. So I want to really unpack that conversation specifically when we know, we know that we are living in a way that's not in alignment for us, but we're doing it anyways, right? Uh, I asked one of my clients the other day, I asked somebody, I said, you know, how much suffering do you need before you are actually going to drop into decision to change it, to change it, to do something about it? Some of us are so used to operating in the place of pressure, in the place of anxiety, that it is really the familiar place. And I want to just say that there's nothing wrong with that. You, You know, like, you can stay there as long as you need to, right? There's no perfect timeline, but there is another option available too. And so, you know, really that coming back to the place that we only create out of two things. We either create out of fear, we continue to operate out of fear, or we create and operate out of love. At the end of the day, all other emotions kind of, you know, come down to those two things. Really, if we go down to the roots, right? It's like fear and love. Love is, is God is pure love, right? Is creation power, the absence of love, the absence of God, the absence of creation, life force is emptiness, the void, the, the place of darkness, right? The absence of light is dark. So we are always creating from either fear, fear of running out of time, fear of not making the cut, fear of what other people will think of us, fear that, you know, whatever the thing is, right? I'm afraid that I'll run out of money if I hire these people. I'm afraid that everything's going to blow up in my face, right? I'm afraid I'm going to fail. I had a conversation with someone the other day. I was like, so what's the hesitation? He's like, Uh, He was in turmoil. He was in turmoil inside, like beating himself up because he's been talking and talking and talking about taking action in the real estate market for about five years and, you know, paralyzed in a way, kind of like a deer in the headlights is not moving forward. And I was like, what is the fear? Like, what is the thing? He's like, I'm afraid of failing. 
And I'm like, so what are you afraid you're going to experience? He told me all the things he was afraid of experience. I'm like, are you already living that out right now in your body, in your nervous system? Every day you're literally living in the place that you're afraid that you'll end up in almost the emotions, right? Because the circumstance that we're trying to avoid is actually the pain or the emotion of the circumstance. So it's very interesting that <laughs> usually the very thing we're trying to avoid, our body's like experiencing it anyways, emotionally, even though it might not be the physical situation, the very emotions, the very things we don't want to feel, we're feeling them anyways when we create from fear and create from pressure. When we create from love, from abundance, from faith, from creation energy, creativity, possibility, we experience more of that, right? More of things dropping into our atmosphere that are like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. This is like way more than I expected. I was asking for all of this and this is starting to, to drop into place. So remember that we're always creating out of fear or out of love. And when I say love, it's like the love for the dreams, the visions that have been placed in our heart, the love for creation, for our families, for our relationships, the love for the gifts that we've been given, right? Like the love and the joy for our life. Like that's what I'm talking about. So I believe that to live in alignment or to live in integrity is to be in the place of love, to operate from a place that is not sort of like, ooh, love and light, but really like what is the loving, life-giving, creative place that adds life to myself and others? And again, this is a similar conversation I have a lot on here, but I want to talk specifically about when we compromise our values in order to get our needs met, that's really when we start to feel like we're living kind of in a living hell a little bit, you know? And um, this happens so often, right? So a simple example of this would be like operating out of integrity in our business. You know, we're getting our needs met financially, but we hate the work we're doing. We are not operating in our genius or our gifts. And every day feels like it's just, we're dragging ourselves through the motions. This looks like being in a marriage and going elsewhere for attention and affection, whether it's an emotional affair, a physical affair, um, even like doing substance abuse, right? Like going to alcohol or some other sedate, like sedating thing or seducing thing to bring us into the space of getting our immediate need met, but not really meeting our soul need, our spiritual need, right? At a core level. So we will compromise our values. We will trump our values. We will sell our values out to get our needs met because at the core of our being, we are human. We are very primal still, and we have needs that we got to get met. I think it was Tony Robbins that first introduced this uh, needs hierarchy to me. And there are several, but I really like this one. He talks about the six human needs. And as we tune into these. These have always really resonated with me. So I want to go back through them, but we all have a need for safety, right? For certainty, to know that we are safe, to know that we are protected, that we're not going to die, right? So we have a primal need to survive. That's like our most basic primal survival mechanism. So we have a physical need for safety. We also have an emotional and spiritual need for safety, right? We have a need for connection, love, right? To be held, to be loved, to be recognized. We have a need for that. Somebody, we're not designed to be invisible. We're not designed to be ignored, right? We are designed to be nourished in a relationship. So human connection, heart to heart, human to human, like 
We need that. Okay. So if you're beating yourself up, like what's wrong with me, I should just totally be happy on my own. It's like, yes and no. Like we are designed for each other. We're designed for relationship. That is the original creation, right? It was not good for man to be alone. So we, we do need relationship. We really need relationship with ourselves, connection with ourselves, connection to God, connection to each other, especially in this human form. <laughs> there are so many things about our physical bodies biologically that are wired, hardwired and designed strategically on purpose by a beautiful intelligence called God creator, right? That has, has designed this way to bring us into community so we can multiply and prosper together and bring more life into this planet. So we have a need for connection. We have a need for growth, right? We have a need to be growing, to be learning, to be developing ourselves and skills. It's no surprise that most people get sick and the death rate after retirement is really high because people stop living, growing, challenging themselves. They stop feeling like they have purpose. One of the highest links or contributors to happiness is the ability to feel like you're making progress. Progress equals happiness so much of the time for people just to feel like they're making forward momentum. Am I growing, right? As in character, as in my career, in our family, in our relationship. We have a need for significance, right? And again, this is very tied to connection and it's still very primal in the sense that I need to feel important, right? And we kind of beat this need up. We're like, oh, this is so vain and this is egotistical. And, you know, when it can get out of control and we're getting that need for significance met in the wrong places, which I'm going to talk about in a minute, it can be highly destructive. But if we look at our child, like our children need to know that they are unique and that they're different and that they are important to us, right? Not only that there's connection and love, but that they're, they matter, right? That you have worth and value. And so again, that is intrinsically built into us by design, by our creator who wants us to know like you, your soul has a unique, energetic, like soul, spiritual blueprint to it. You are uniquely designed, fearfully and wonderfully made. And so of course you, you know, you are so uniquely loved. So that need for significance is a remembering, I believe of our God given uniqueness, our God given identity. But in this physical world that we live in, so much of the structure and the fabric is around glorifying the ego and the self and peacocking and putting people on pedestals and worshiping people and celebrities and identities and ideals instead of really the heart and the soul, celebrating the heart and the soul of, of the humans and the beauty that we each are, right? So there's a difference between getting that need for significance met in the right places, in right community, where we are honored and respected and cherished versus a place where we are just like, you know, counting social media likes and, you know, shoving our way to the top and comparing ourselves or vying for attention or position. And this happens a lot in the corporate world too. Wow. I, I'm actually still shocked sometimes when we do work with teams of how much peacocking and fighting and dissension and division happens inside of organizations because there's this need to be appreciated, to be recognized, to be valued. That's completely being ignored, right? And it creates a lot of dysfunction. So people will get that need met in a destructive way that you will usually not only self-destruct them, but often just self-destruct teams, sometimes entire organizations, right? The walls start crumbling down. So what did I go through? We went through, um, certainty, growth, 
significant connection. We have a need for um, variety. I've shared this before. I have a high need for variety, right? We are, look at this planet. There's, there's such a variety of fruits and vegetables and fauna and environments and just dimensions, right? When you look at mountains and then you're in the ocean and there's just such a variety of everything for all of our senses. It's like a feast to our senses. When you are tapped into raw, organic, beautiful, natural design, you can really begin to appreciate the depth and the richness and the beauty of our physical landscape, our environments of each other. The more we're tapped into the fake synthetic, I call it the make-believe world, which is a lot of the world programming, which is sort of this airbrushed alternate reality that a lot of us are still really entangled in, we become disconnected from nature. And sometimes our sense for variety is like, I just need one more fix. I need one more thing, one more dopamine hit, right? One more, one more new experience. And again, in the healthy state, in the balanced state, that is part of our design. You know, it's so cool. I was watching a video yesterday. I sent it to my husband on what happens to our brain, our neuro, on neuroplasticity. When we are exposed to new environments, curiosity, wonder, new adventures, new people, new places, right? You can actually see those neural pathways forming, you know, new pathways. You could see like the electrical wiring starting to form and you're, you're creating new, um, yeah, new pathways, new experiences. And you can watch this. You can probably Google it and find it. Because when we go through the same old rhythm, the same old life, day in and day out, the mundane, we don't stretch our mind. We don't grow in our mind, right? We don't create those new grooves and new neural pathways. And we don't keep the mind sharp. So of course we are designed. I love how God designed us. You know, we are designed to have variety healthy variety that is life-giving, that builds us up, that amplifies us, that nourishes us, right? That stretches us. But a lot of us are addicted to short-term fixes, dopamine hits, chemical hits, variety from like constant distractions that are always sometimes really highly destructive, right? And that can look like social media again. It can look like one affair, one attention-seeking affair after another. It can also be an addiction, to that, that high, right? And I know that place well, because I believe we all have a need for variety, but because of my upbringing too, I just, we were moving all the time. The environment was really chaotic. There was always, I lived in the unknown all the time, right? So the very, it was good, but like that I would, I'm malleable and I became kind of a chameleon at times and I can adapt to new environments. I also love change, whether it's going to a new country, visiting a new culture, eating good cuisine, you know, I'm, I can do all that, which is the gift. And then for years I found myself like in this kind of anxious chase internally, like I always needed something shiny, something new, something to entertain me. Otherwise I thought something was wrong. I'm like, I, I misunderstood that if it was calm and it was peaceful, then I was like, oh my gosh, I'm dying, you know, and it's, it's too boring and my life is coming to an end. So there's a healthy variety, right? And then there's an unhealthy place where we are just chasing the next distraction, the next shiny object, the next thing that's going to make us feel good in this moment. Um, and so that is, 
That is it. And then the last need we know is contribution. We need to know that we are adding value into the world. And so I believe like this is tied to significance in many ways. It's kind of the more mature <laughs> need. If you would say that significance is a pretty primal significance, certainty and connection and variety. They're kind of more primal, but growth and contribution you know, that need to be a contributor to the family, to the relationship, to our teams, to our industries, it's real. And, and I believe really closely tied to that happiness too, that when we feel like we are contributing and we are contributing in a way that feels great and is, you know, recognized and is adding life, again, we're in that sweet spot of alignment. And so I believe that you know, number one, I love this conversation around needs, especially when we're beating ourselves up around like, why did I do this? What was I thinking? What are they thinking? You know, it gives us a different perspective of how we can look at our children, our husbands, our wives, our team players and go, okay, what, you know, like what need are they trying to get met? It may be totally dysfunctional, totally destructive right now, but as a human, I can activate some compassion, maybe some mercy, some grace empathy in this moment and recognize like they're just in a desperate attempt consciously or unconsciously to get a need met, a human need that we all have. Now there is a healthier avenue and there is a highly unhealthy avenue, right? So I want to say that's number one. When we get our needs met in a place that is life-giving, to me that is in alignment with God's will for our lives, for our spirit, the way our souls design, man, things start to open up. Like you naturally begin to operate with more flow. The other thing I wanted to tap into here is that also that means often that we are, well, not often, always, that we are living out our needs in alignment with our values. When our needs are getting met in a way that is in alignment, congruent, consistent, with our values, we're in the life-giving place. We're in the place of blessing. We're in the place of multiplication. But when we are getting our needs, our primal needs, our human needs for connection and significance and you know growth and all this stuff met in places that are out of integrity, misaligned to our values, we will be in an inner civil war. We will be in inner turmoil and it will be a restlessness in our spirit, right? You might be getting what you want. You might be getting the superficial fix. It might satisfy the desire in the moment, but it's a band-aid. And it's like getting a morsel when you're starved for a full meal, right? You always stay thirsty. You will always stay hungry. You will always stay in the place of just grasping and seeking and chasing like a malnourished person that can't actually absorb and assimilate the nutrients, right? And you just try to shove yourself full of this stuff. But something about you, it's almost like your soul feels dirty when it interacts with it. You feel guilt, you feel shame, you feel heaviness. And I want to say this because, you know, I went to an event last weekend and there was a lot of talk in the room with the guys around like the heaviness that they felt of the guilt and the shame of some of their decisions of maybe how they treated their, their partners, their husbands, their wives, how they were not there for their children, some of the addictions. Um, substance abuse issues in the past. And, you know, a lot of these men have done such amazing, beautiful healing work, but that heaviness, right. That we live in that heavy weight of depression, which is a very oppressive spirit. Um, that is the weight of guilt and the weight of shame and the weight of fear. That is just like a thick blanket that suffocates us that comes on 
when we live out of integrity between our values and our needs, right? And that we are designed a certain way. We have God-given needs on purpose. They are to redirect us into the place of life, into relationship with him, into right relationship with him, into right relationship with each other, into right relationship in community, right? Where we are called to build each other up and not tear each other down, right? To, to not grumble and mumble and create dissension and gossip amongst us, but to really be unified as a body, right? We are the church. We are the body. <laughs> We're the temple, right? So let's talk about values for a minute, because I think this is a huge one. I ask, uh, I ask people this all the time through coaching. We talk about this at our live events, our vision planning days, but what are your values? Have, when was the last time you identified your values? Like really sat down and said, well, let me just see if they're still like, aligned, right? Like, do they still resonate? I believe that while the core of our values don't necessarily change too much over time, they can change for sure. The way that they look played out in our lives definitely changes, right? And so when was the last time you really did an evaluation into what are the things that you value that you hold dear in your life and really define them, give them like a sentence or two, and then define, go one step further and define what they look like in motion. Like when we're living out this value of health and vitality and longevity, like what does that look like at play in our household, in our day-to-day structure, right? When we're holding the value for open, honest communication and, you know, relationships that feel good to be in, right? The value is like integrity, (laughs) honesty in communication. Then what does that look like in our relationships? People will have different definitions of this, which is beautiful. And also we got to recognize that that's a thing. Okay. Like we think that our value is just, this is what it is, but people have very different values. And, um, you know, I've coached a lot of people that were married and I, they said to me after the fact, maybe the marriage was over, there was some brokenness that happened. They're like, well, I thought that marriage meant this, and this was the value I held. And he had a totally different value system. And I was like, yeah, did you talk about it? Like, did you guys know that you had different value systems? And did you know what it looked like? Did you talk about what it looked like to get your needs met in a healthy way and how you were going to protect the integrity of your relationship? Or was it just like, eh, you know, we'll just assume that we know what each other's values are. We'll keep it really vague. And then we're just going to like swing for the fences and assume that maybe we're kind of getting each other's needs met. But it's it's really wild. This sounds like very basic uh, concepts and conversations. Very few people have them. I, I wish I could say most people are having them. The reality is it's rare. <laughs> the couples, the leadership teams that are having these conversations, been interviewing people for positions in our, um, in our businesses, my husband and I, I've been coaching executives and their management teams. And I'll tell you, when I ask them these questions, either if they're employees, they're like, they don't even know truly the values <laughs> of the leadership team, the values of the organization. I'm not talking about values slapped up on a wall. I'm talking about ingrained in conversation and culture, right? Um, I speak to couples that don't know what the values are in their relationship. And, um, it's kind of, it's, it's cute. I even interviewed someone the other day and I asked him, what, what are your values? What are your top values? Obviously I want to make sure that there's a, an alignment. And he's like, you know, 
I don't really know. And he pulls out a box and he pulled out a box of uh, cards of 72 different values. He's like, sometimes I just flip through this box and I pick one and I look at it and I think about it. And I'm like, okay, so you're like randomly picking your values out of a box or like you're exploring the conversation. I mean, those boxes can be great tools to get your brain thinking. And I mean this in the most loving way, but like we've got to spend some time getting clear on what matters to us. And so that we know what we're fighting for, what we, we can create structure, right? We can create boundaries. We can create behavioral patterns, habits around our values that are congruent, that are life-giving, that also get our needs met. (laughs) So what are your values? What do they look like in motion? And where are you living out of order? So, you know, I invite you guys today, wherever you are, to maybe tune in if in the areas that you feel like you're living out of alignment or there's this inner civil war, you're in a pressure cooker, um, it feels like you're always playing from behind or no matter what you do, you know, you can't seem to get any traction. You know, whenever there is that inner turmoil, there's a, there's a grinding, right? There's a grinding. Something is not, it's like you're not driving in the right lane. These are some great conversations to dive into. And again, this is a lot of the work. This is the core of the work that I do in my private sessions, you know, at the live events, especially if there's people going through massive transitions, reorganizations in their marriages, in their careers, in their businesses. And they're like, I, I want to move into the place of fulfillment. I want to move into the life-giving place where I can operate with energy and have time and be in the gifts and the genius instead of in the grind and the trenches and, you know, fighting against time. Well, these are some of the essential conversations and the unpacking that we get to have, right? And so if you're not going to do the work (laughs) on your own, then it's very beneficial to have somebody in your corner, whether it's a coach or a mentor that will guide you through these processes. I always feel it's a great idea to have somebody in your corner that guides you through these processes because even my husband and I, we're both coaches. We do this and we have our own coaches. We have our own groups. We have our own time where we pull away and we just get to be led a little bit through this process. We have the gift of being able to do this with each other which is a superpower, a power couple, uh, behavior for sure to be able to sit down as a couple and do this. This is a, this is the kind of stuff that really puts rocket fuel into your marriage, right? It creates such solid structure for you guys to show up so that you're not vague and confused and wondering and assuming and anticipating, but can actually operate within some sort of structure and we need it. It gives us guidelines, you know, it gives us walls. So, I want to just say, you know, as I wrap here that those needs are real and we also have spiritual needs, you know, as we have physical needs for certainty and, you know, growth and connection and all of that, we also have emotional needs and spiritual needs. You are a multidimensional body. I keep talking about this all the time. And the same thing, when you look at your values, right? Like, you are not more than just a physical body. Like what do those values look like emotionally? How do you feel, you know, in your spirit? Are you at ease Are or are you distressed, right? These are things that we get to start identifying and looking for so that we can start to know when we're starting to go in the wrong direction, we're rubbing up against the wrong lane. And just like those bumper rails on a bowling game, you know, they kind of bump you back, (laughs) 
into the right lane before you go totally off the rails again. So, you know, as I wrap, I want to say this, that if you notice that you are getting your needs met in a completely misaligned place, in the space that is very life-sucking, contracting, the depressive, heavy place that creates more guilt, more shame, you know, you don't have to live in that place. You're not designed to live in that place, but it does require a change of heart, not just a change of behavior because behavior modification can only last so long, right? That's a physical shift, but you can, if you fit, shift the physical, you also have to shift the mental, the mindset. You got to shift the heart, right? The motive, the desire behind the behavioral shift, and you got to shift the spirit or the soul. If you want a complete realignment, you must shift behavior modification, mindset, the heart of the man or the woman, and really get in touch with the spirit because there is a spiritual component to this too. So one of the things that we, we really, you know, got to do in the spiritual place is to cut those cords, to be willing, you know, to cut the, <laughs> cut the cords of entanglement, the spiritual ties to these things. You know, we are called to repent and that word repent has such a, a negative connotation to it because of this like yucky religious spirit <laughs> that has been infiltrated into our atmosphere. But really what that word means is to just feel or experience, express sincere regret for one's wrongdoing and to course adjust, right? To change your heart and your mind and say, you know what? I'm sorry. I know that I was driving down the wrong way. I am not driving on that road anymore. So when we repent, we have a almost like a public open declaration. And again, this isn't you standing on a street corner, but it's speaking it out loud for yourself, speaking it out loud into your atmosphere. You know, I have a little area here, my thinking chair, my writing chair, where I just acknowledge open heartedly to God, to myself, like this is not the way. And I repent of my decisions to go down this way. It doesn't, it's not a guilty, it's, it's not a guilty confession. It's just an ad, admission that says, you know what? I was wrong. I was totally focused on the wrong thing. I'm not going that way. And I make a commitment to set things right. And just as you would in a relationship with a child that you did something hurtful to or said something, or maybe you yelled at them and because you lost your temper in a moment and, you know, an emotionally healthy relationship that course corrects heals that and course corrects, sits down and says, you know what? What I did there was wrong. I should not have yelled. I lost my temper. I lost my emotional control, right? I apologize. Forgive me. Here's what I'm going to do next time. Here's what I promise to do or I'm committed to doing. And it's a course correction. It's, it's, it's an ask for forgiveness and it's an admission as you would with a partner or a partnership that where trust was broken, or you had to say, you know what, I'm sorry. And I think that this repenting is something we don't do, right? We don't apologize. We don't take ownership. We don't change courses. We don't really work on our heart and our spirit, our emotional and mental bodies. We just go for behavior modification a lot of times. We're like, okay, I'm sorry. But we do a lot of half-hearted, half-hearted, not a change of heart. We do a lot of half-hearted um, apologies from a very superficial place and we just go right into behavior modifications and we try to force ourselves into changing our behaviors or getting on the right path 
but we don't ever go into true changing of the heart, which is what repentance is, right? We don't go into truly, you know, shifting things, um, in our mind, in our mindset, renewing our mind, right? And part of this is really trusting, shifting our allegiance of what we're going to put our faith and our trust in. We go get our needs in the wrong places. Wherever you're going to get your needs met in the wrong places shows where you don't trust, where you don't trust God, you don't trust yourself, you don't trust others, right? And so there's like this greediness, this fear-based, like I need, I need, I need consuming quality to that. And so it just shows you where you're not trusting, right? You have to move into that place. And so as I often talk about in rebuilding trust, restoring our relationships and, you know, building on a solid foundation, these are some things to consider. I hope that this conversation was beneficial to you and really hits home. I always pray that these things will pierce your heart a little bit, that you get a conscious and strategic upgrade, but really a shift of heart. Because once you shift the heart, the behavior modification truly is easy right? It's, it's kind of a non-issue in many ways. The physical body can still be entangled, but once you shift the heart, you shift the spirit, it's a lot easier to train the body. You still have to do the body work, right? You can't go back to the place that make you sick. You can't walk into the liquor store if you have a problem with alcohol. You can't go into the online dating apps if you have a problem with, with that. Like You've got to know what bumpers and boundaries you have to give yourself, but it really starts within, not on the external. If you'd like to go deeper into this work, I invite you to click on the links below, apply to work with me. There's several different ways that I can support you in this process. Private coaching and mentorship. I take five individuals per quarter, three couples to work very closely in an intimate setting and in, in realigning and getting into full integrity. There's also a beautiful community of men and women who come together several times a month for trainings and coaching and community and conversation called Warriors of the Heart. If you'd like to learn more about either of those programs, click on the link and um, apply to work with me and we will be reaching out with you uh, to you with details on those. Until next time, I hope you enjoyed the show. Please leave us a review. Share this podcast with a friend. And uh, we'll see you in the next episode. Here's to loving fiercely, leading courageously. Bye for now. Thanks again for joining me in today's episode. It is my intention to bring you valuable, heart-shifting content every time that will upgrade your life. If you're a new listener, make sure you follow the podcast so you can stay up to date as future episodes roll out. And I invite you to head on over and join my free community, Warriors of the Heart on Facebook. In there, you'll find bonus trainings, a game-changing assessment tool, and exclusive member-only offers. Until next time, warriors, here's to loving fiercely and leading courageously in the untamed life, the only life worth living.